My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, The Story Podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. Today is day 72, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Numbers 23, Deuteronomy 24 and 25, and Psalm 106. Numbers 23. Balaam said, Build me seven altars here, and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me. Balak did as Balaam said, and the two of them offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, Stay here beside your offering while I go aside. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet with me. Whatever he reveals to me, I will tell you. Then he went off to a barren height. God met with him. And Balaam said, I have prepared seven altars, and on each altar I have offered a bull and a ram. The Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Go back to Balak and give him these words. So he went back to him and found him standing beside his offering with all the Moabite officials. Then Balaam spoke his message. Balak brought me from Aram, the king of Moab from the eastern mountains. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come, denounce Israel. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? From the rocky peaks, I see them. From the heights, I view them. I see a people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number even a fourth of Israel. Let me die the death of the righteous and may my final end be like theirs. Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemies, but you have done nothing but bless them. He answered, must I not speak with what the Lord puts in my mouth? Then Balak said to him, come with me to another place where you can see them. You will not see them all, but only the outskirt of their camp. And from there, curse them for me. So he took him to the field of Zophim on the top of Pisgah, and there he built seven altars and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Balaam said to Balak, stay here beside your offering while I meet with you over there. The Lord met with Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, go back to Balak and give him this word. So he went to him and found him standing beside his offering with the Moabite officials. Balak asked him, what did the Lord say? Then he spoke his message. Arise, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not human, that he should lie, not a human being, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot change it. No misfortune is seen in Jacob, no misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. The shout of the king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. There is no divination against Jacob, no evil omen against Israel. It will now be said of Jacob and of Israel, see what God has done. The people rise like a lioness. They rouse themselves like a lion that does not rest till it devours its prey and drinks the blood of its victims. Then Balak said to Balaam, neither curse them at all nor bless them at all. Balaam answered, did I not tell you I must do whatever the Lord says? Then Balak said to Balaam, come, let me take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God to let you curse them for me from there. 
and Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor overlooking wasteland. Balaam said, Build me seven altars here and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me. Balak did as Balaam had said and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Deuteronomy 24. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her and he writes her a certificate of divorce, give it to her and send her from his house. And if after she leaves his house, she becomes the wife of another man and her second husband dislikes her and writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from his house. Or if he dies, then her first husband who divorced her is not allowed to marry her again after she has been defiled. That would be detestable in the eyes of the Lord. Do not bring sin upon the land the Lord Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. If a man has recently married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. For one year, he is to be free to stay at home and bring happiness to the wife he has married. Do not take a pair of millstones, not even the upper ones, as security for a debt, because that would be taking a person's livelihood as security. If someone is caught kidnapping a fellow Israelite and treating or selling them as a slave, the kidnapper must die. You must purge the evil from among you. In cases of defiling skin disease, be very careful to do exactly as the Levitical priests instruct you. You must follow carefully what I have commanded them. Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam along the way after you came out of Egypt. When you make a loan of any kind to your neighbor, do not go into their house to get what is offered to you as a pledge. Stay outside and let the neighbor to whom you are making the loan bring the pledge out to you. If the neighbor is poor, do not go to sleep with their pledge in your possession. Return their cloak by sunset so that your neighbor may sleep in it. Then they will thank you and it will be regarded as a righteous act in the sight of the Lord your God. Do not take advantage of a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether that worker is a fellow Israelite or a foreigner residing in one of your towns. Pay them their wages each day before sunset because they are poor and are counting on it. Otherwise, they may cry to the Lord against you and you will be guilty of sin. Parents are not to be put to death for their children, nor children be put to death for their parents. Each will die of their own sin. Do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice or take the cloak of the widow as a pledge. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. That is why I command you to do this. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a chief, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you and all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your tree, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave whatever remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. Chapter 25, when people have a dispute, they are to take it to court and the judges will decide the case, acquitting the innocent and condemning the guilty. If the guilty person deserves to be beaten, the judge shall make them lie down and have them flogged in his presence with the number of lashes the crime deserves. But the judge must not impose more than 40 lashes. If the guilty party is flogged more than that, your fellow Israelite will be degraded in your eyes. Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. 
However, if a man does not want to marry his brother's wife, she shall go to the elders at the town gate and say, My husband's brother refuses to carry on his brother's name in Israel. He will not fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to me. Then the elders of his town shall summon him and talk to him. If he persists in saying, I do not want to marry her, his brother's widow shall go up to him in the presence of the elders, take off one of his sandals, spit in his face, and say, This is what is done for the man who will not build up his brother's family line. That man's line shall be known in Israel as the family of the unsandaled. If two men are fighting and the wife of one of them comes to rescue her husband from his assailant and she reaches out and seizes him by his private parts, you shall cut off her hand. Show her no pity. Do not have two differing weights in your bag, one heavy, one light. Do not have two differing measures in your house, one large, one small. You must have accurate and honest weights and measures so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. For the Lord your God detests anyone who does these things, anyone who deals dishonestly. Remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt. When you were weary and worn out, they met you on your journey and attacked all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God. When the Lord your God gives you rest from all the enemies around you in the land, he is giving you to possess as an inheritance. You shall blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven." Do not forget. Psalm 106. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord who fully declare his praise? Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Remember, my Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nations and join your inheritance in giving praise. We have sinned, even as our ancestors did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet, He saved them for his name's sake, to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe. From the hand of the enemy, he redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert, they gave in to their craving. In the wilderness, they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease among them. In the camp, they grew envious of Moses and of Aaron, who were consecrated to the Lord. The earth opened up and swallowed Dathan. It buried the company of Abiram. Fire blazed among their followers. A flame consumed the wicked. At Horeb, they made a calf and worshipped an idol cast from metal. They exchanged their glorious God for an image of a bull which eats grass. They forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt, miracles in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. So he said he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to keep his wrath from destroying them. Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his promise. They grumbled in their tents and did not obey the Lord. So he swore to them with uplifted hand that he would make them fall in the wilderness, make their descendants fall among the nations, and scatter them throughout the lands. They yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices offered to lifeless gods. They aroused the Lord's anger by their wicked deeds, and a plague broke out among them. 
But Phineas stood up and intervened, and the plague was checked. This was credited to him as righteousness for endless generations to come. But the waters of Meribah, they angered the Lord, and trouble came to Moses because of them. For they rebelled against the Spirit of God, and rash words came from Moses' lips. They did not destroy the people as the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the nations and adopted their customs. They worshipped their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to false gods. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was desecrated by their blood. They defiled themselves by what they did, by their deeds they prostituted themselves. Therefore, the Lord was angry with his people and abhorred his inheritance. He gave them into the hands of the nations, and their foes ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them and subjected them to their power. Many times he delivered them, but they were bent on rebellion, and they wasted away in their sin. Yet he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant, and out of his great love he relented. He caused all who held them captive to show them no mercy. Save us, Lord our God, and gather us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Dr. Adrian Reynolds describes how Balaam is in two more chapters. Numbers 25 considered the architect of Israel's downfall. And Balaam's greed is compared to in other parts of the Bible, for example, 2 Peter 2, verse 15 to 16, or Jude 11. Balaam seems to be painted in a similar light to the serpent in Genesis, where he's charming but nefarious and greedy. He's maybe human, maybe otherworldly. The story from yesterday, Numbers 22, made it clear that Balaam did not even have the power to see the angel of the Lord on the road while his donkey could see it. Balaam is cruel to the donkey, and while he seems to submit to God overtly, there is this patterning of a rebellious and greedy heart being characterized. He keeps trying to find a way to be rewarded and help Balak accomplish the goal of cursing or squashing God's people. In this story, there is this back and forth with the excuse artist Balaam and the king Balak, where steps like sacrifice are enacted and designed to perhaps please the Lord or result in a curse, but Israel cannot be cursed, and Balaam knows this. Two of seven oracles are given between Balaam and King Balak. An oracle is like an ambiguous or obscure prophecy by a priest-like figure, then, in Deuteronomy 24 and 25, we learn more about God's economic edits to Israel. There is more about taking care of the poor, the orphan, and the widow, the foreigner, and you cannot take the means by which a person can pay you back or that could make them cold. There is this injection of fairness and care. Mind you, some of these laws seem odd, but again, consider these were specific to these people in context and had tremendous edifying value. The point about divorce in Deuteronomy 24 seems to do two things. Continue to give a man the right to divorce a woman, but requires a certificate, which I believe means she gets to keep the mohar or bride gift and the things she's brought into the marriage. 
Also note the way Jesus responds to this verse in Deuteronomy on his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, verses 31 to 32, where he, in typical Jesus response, refers back to Genesis 1 and 2, which is shaping his interpretation of what's next. He is basically communicating that divorce is not what was intended, but he acknowledges that we may have hard hearts and some permission is given. Jesus says, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Dr. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project states, divorce is a divine accommodation for human sinfulness, which is a type of alienation and dislocation from what God intended. Dr. Timaki on the Law Q&R podcast also refers to Matthew 19.10, when the disciples say to him, whoa, if that's the meaning of the marriage covenant, and Jesus responds, if the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it is better not to marry. And Jesus says, well, not everybody will be able to embody the divine ideal that way, but some people should. And he makes this remarkable statement about elevating the status of singleness in the kingdom of God, which fits nobody's categories at that time, and maybe even arguably in our time. Jesus seems to narrow the grounds for divorce beyond what seems to be interpreted by many Israelites and Jewish people in the early days as the ability to divorce a wife for any reason. So he's narrowing this. There's a certificate in play. It's reiterated that this isn't the ideal and that some can carry this out as it's supposed to be. And also he's he's bringing to the table Jesus's that singleness is an option if this is something you, you don't think you can do in the way that I intended it to be. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.